Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad to be with you again today. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the Culture Coach podcast, where we try to uh, share some ideas with you, some insights, some new ways of thinking about how to have conversations cross-culturally, how to lean into being a bridge builder, a person uh, that helps to close the gap, whatever it is, whatever your language, your terminology is. Um, I am here every week to uh, fan the flame, so to speak, uh, of that calling in your life, to make the world better, to make the world more beautiful uh, than it currently is, particularly when it comes to uh, issues around culture as it relates to ethnicity. Um, This past week, uh, I was leading a workshop online it's part of my work. Um, I've been doing these just about uh, over the last, actually for a while this year now with the COVID lockdown, I've been doing these workshops for teams and groups um, almost every week, which has been really great. And every single week that I do these um, that I do these workshops, I always get these really great questions. And a lot of the questions are similar. Uh, some of the questions are new and no one's ever asked me these things before. Uh, And then there are questions that people have asked me before, but then someone frames it in a new way uh, that kind of sparked my brain a little bit on how to answer it differently. And today, uh, that is what I want to share with you, um, just the thought that I had around a question that somebody had asked me. And while I'm uh, recording this right now, (laughs) I was trying to figure out what to call this podcast. And uh, at this point right now, while I'm recording, I still don't quite know what I'm going to call it yet, but I'm just going to talk this out with you and then we'll find out what I decide to call it. (laughs) All right. So here, here was the question that was asked of me and I thought it was a good one. And I'm thinking that maybe uh, those of you that are listening might have the same question uh, or have been in conversations with others Uh, where this question has come up. So the question is, what things or statements or uh, motives or instances are things that are actually racist? And what are things that could go into the category of uninformed? You ever thought about that before? Oftentimes people can say that the the term uh, racism or Um, categorizing or labeling someone as a racist tends to get thrown around very flippantly. Now, I am a person that tends to 
agree with that to some degree, not all degree, because the reality is, is that in our world, racism still exists. And I think most people, particularly if you are um, listening to this podcast or you follow me at all, you're probably a person that has an awareness that yes, racism, racism exists. It's not something that you would say it doesn't exist. Um, so, but a lot of times, uh, everything that happens with related to ethnicity around culture, um, sometimes we can call everything racist. And um, I personally don't believe that everything is racist. Um, but how do you and I, as people who are trying to navigate conversations cross-culturally, how do we weave in and out of these things? How do we start to develop uh, a framework for even when we can tell when something is either racist or uninformed? Um, or something that is uh, leans into uh, bias or blind spot type of thing. So as I was doing this workshop, um, I was thinking to myself in the moment, you know, how can I get this across to this group? Uh, and this group was primarily white American people. But I thought, how do I get this across to this group in a way uh, that they would understand it, right? So uh, with regards to statements, because I think this is really where it, where it kind of comes down to. And, and just know in this podcast today, I am not going to cover this topic in full. Um, I'm giving you a short podcast today and one that will just start to, you know, just get the tip of the iceberg here. But when it comes to statements, people can say things about a, a, a a type of person or that kind of thing. And some things are just uninformed. Other things can have a racist overtone to them. And one of the things that I brought up and I thought would be interesting to share with you today is the idea of black on black crime. Now, what I shared with uh, the lovely people in this workshop that I was leading, what I shared with them is the, the uh, label black on black crime is one of those things where you have the question, is that statement or is that label racist or is it uninformed? We kind of throw that term around, don't we? Particularly if you've ever been in arguments with people or debates with people, particularly online. And you're, maybe you're trying to uh, share something about the current state of the world and somebody might say to you, yeah, well, what about black on black crime? And it's interesting because that phrase has been so accepted in the country that we just keep throwing it around without thinking about at a conscious level, what is it that we are actually saying? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Black on black crime. What does that even mean? Because for me, people kill people, right? I mean, people shoot people. Um, we don't have terms like Vietnamese on Vietnamese crime or Chinese on Chinese crime or white on white crime. We don't tend to use those kinds of phrases and labels with other groups of people, except for black Americans 
in the country. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it okay to call a thing by the name of its people group? Black on black crime. Because the reality is, as I said, is that people kill people. As soon as you use the term black on black crime, it's possible that you, what you are doing is taking an entire group of people, uh, an entire uh, people group in the country and saying, this is what black people do. Black people kill each other. We don't understand why black people kill one another. Black people do this. And I'm hoping by now, the more that I say it, the more that you are starting to feel uncomfortable and starting to really think about, is that really what we want to call that? Let's flip it for a minute. What about white on white crime? Let's talk about that for a minute white on white crime. How would we have that conversation? What do we do in America about white on white crime? Would you even be able to recognize it? What that is? What is white on white crime? Well, I can tell you that uh, one of the examples, if we're using the same logic of white on white crime, could be mass shootings. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute, okay? Now, remember, this is just for conversation's sake, and I'm trying to expand your brain a little bit around how we talk about these things. So just go with me for a minute. Trust me, all right? And hopefully by now, if you're listening this far, you've trusted me. So just trust me for sake of conversation, all right? Can you name or think of, while you're listening to me, five people who are non-white that have been mass shooters? And by mass shooters, I mean people who have, you know, all the stories that we have heard, people who have um, opened fire at a country music festival, uh, people who have gone into schools uh, and open fire, elementary schools, high schools, middle school, Amish schools, gone into schools and murdered children, people that have um, opened fire in a mall uh, or a grocery store or a post office or a, um, I remember that story a few years back out here where I live, um, about the, the guy that walked in and, and killed several journalists in a, at a media company. That's what I'm talking about, mass shooters. People who will walk into a church and shoot people. Can you think of five non-white American male people associated with that? Probably not. It's probably very difficult. The reason being is that in this country, at least so far in what we know, given what we know, that for the most part, non-white American men don't 
do that. They don't have that track record. But here's what we don't call these incidents. We don't refer to these incidents as white-on-white crime. But why? Because that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, for the most part, when these mass shootings have happened, uh, except for the one with the young man that walked into the, the Black Baptist Church and murdered so many of those parishioners and the ministers, but the other ones... It seems to me that most of the the school shootings that are happening, like mass shootings, we're not talking about one incident here and there, we're talking about mass shootings, have happened by white Americans, white American men. But we don't call that white-on-white crime. But isn't it? Why are we not having the conversation of, why are white people killing their own people? We're not having those conversations. We're not asking those questions, but we will have the same argument when it comes to non-majority folks, particularly black Americans in the country. Do you see where I'm going with this? What we tend to do with quote, black on black crime, which as you know now from our conversation is just human on human crime. It's not black on black crime. People kill people. But what we know is that these incidents that are happening while in volume usually are happening around people who know one another. They are usually around uh, disputes. Sometimes people get caught in the crossfires, but you don't have a whole lot of black men in America who are going out and just shooting people randomly or opening fire at concerts and schools and bus depots and those kinds of things, acts of terror. People from the black community do not commit acts of terror, at least up until this point. So why are we so worried about black on black crime when it's possible that the larger threat is white on white crime? Now, am I asking us to start calling things white on white crime? No, because my whole point behind this is that if we're not careful, these conversations become racist. Why is it racist? This is racist because what we have done in the black, black American community is we have called something black on black crime and then said this is the thing that black people do as a group, that black people are violent. Um, that this is what they, quote, they do in their own neighborhoods. It's black on black crime. Why are they killing each other? We take the egregious actions of a few within the community and say that the entire community has a problem. When we don't do that with the majority culture, you know, I don't feel uh, scared If I go into the grocery store, I don't fear for my life for white men thinking that they're going to open fire on me in a grocery store. But if we treated that the same way that we treat, quote, black on black crime, then we should be terrified, shouldn't we? We should be terrified that any white man that we see might open fire because the white community 
they that's what they do they shoot but we don't do that because we we look at people as individuals right we look at people as individuals and we say you know that one act that one shooter doesn't define an entire community right that would be crazy so is it racist or is it unformed something like this can slide into racism and racist conversation very fast. There are many things that are just uninformed. Things that are uninformed is when your friend tries to engage with you across cultures and they say something that's code or they say something that maybe um, just uh, fly out of their mouth because they've heard it but they don't know that it's wrong. And all of a sudden you're offended or somebody's offended and when you let them know about their offense, they're usually very quick to, to apologize. Um, that's usually uninformed. People that would use a term that maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable with or, um, you know, <laughs> people talk about, you know, when people try to touch your hair, you know, that kind of thing. Is that racist? Not necessarily, unless there's a negative intent to it. But a lot of things just might be uninformed. However, some of the things that we are having conversation about, things like human-to-human -human crime, we are at times unintentionally feeding and cultivating racist conversation. So that's about all I have to say about that, guys. Um, I would love to know what you think. And again, remember, tip of the iceberg. This is the tip of the iceberg. Um, and hopefully, again, you know my heart by now. You know that I am in no way promoting that we start calling things white on white crime or Korean on Korean crime. That's not fair. Um, and I am certainly not promoting that at all. What I am trying to do, though, is trying to give us a new framework and insight for how we can start to think about these things together. So I hope that was beneficial for you. Always check your language. Check your language, lean in, and ask yourself, is the language that I'm using to describe a thing or to describe a people group, or to describe a happening? Is it leading me further into the work of being a bridge builder? Or is it taking these seeds and planting them and cultivating them into a soil that will breed more division? Remember, the choice is always ours. We can always choose to plant seeds of unity and together and oneness so that we can make the world a better place. I believe in you today. Let's be on the journey. Let's continue to be proactive, to develop a proactive movement towards racial healing, cultural understanding, and just a better world. I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.